Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So, Eric Bilstedt, you know who I blame for the, the flop that the Packers had, the egg they laid? Uh-oh. You know who I blame? No, who? Recure. John Recure. We, we sent him out to California. You know, we sent him out with the yeah. instruction to bring. And this is not the first time. Remember, we sent him to Toronto with the Bucks. <laughs> That's and, right. And, you know, and it's like game after game after game they lost. And did, I forget. Did we, did we send him to, to Washington when the Brewers had that playoff game? I don't think so. Okay. But, okay, so Toronto and San Francisco. I mean, so here, here here's the bottom line. I mean, moving forward, message. And, and, look, John does a great job. Works hard, sent all sorts of great stuff yeah, back. Yeah. But, I mean, he's kind of like the Flying Dutchman when it <laughs> comes to these things so memo to station management i I just you know if we want the team to win find somebody else he's just he's a black cat walking in front of the team your home keep mccure home and it has no comment at all he does a great job i mean he was sending all sorts of stuff back but i mean toronto green bay you're starting to see a pattern Mm -hmm. that we sent him to toronto a couple times and they kept losing you know so it's just i'm 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 just saying it at the airport and stuff they should say no mccure stay home you know root the team on from there Noted. All right. We'll Noted. Okay. Just, just, a, bucks just a little bit of suggestion. All right. I, I was listening to to Stephen Carroll earlier on, and um, I have to I have to confess, I am not as bent out of shape about the game last night as many Packers fans are, and I'm not taking this Pollyanna approach to it. But but here's the way I look at it. First of all, they lost to a better team. You can talk about, oh, the defensive coach sucks and they didn't have a great scheme and stuff. The 49ers, talent-wise, are a much better team. That, that, and I, you know, I, I understand upsets happen, but I, I believe if you played that game 10 times in a row, the Packers would probably lose 10 times in a row. Now, maybe if you had it at Lambeau Field, it might be a little bit closer, but the 49ers are a better team. That's just the reality. So here's my, here is my ray of light on this. I mean, first of all, look at the season the Packers had. Two years ago, the Packers were what eight and eight. This last year, they were six and ten. All right, so you've got a new coach coming in. Statistically, I, I think it's like one out of ten new coaches takes a team to the playoffs. The Packers this year, thirteen and three in the regular season, six and zero oh against the North Division. Now, I understand some of the games where hey, they won ugly, etc. Doesn't matter. They, they won six and zero oh against the North Division, beating the Vikings, the Bears, and and the Lions. 13-3 and three overall. Seven out of eight games at home, they won. You know, six and two on the road. You, you, that That's an incredible year. And then, you know, they secured a first-round bye in the playoff, and then they beat a very, very good Seattle team at Lambeau Field. They ended up 14-4 and four overall. They were one of the final four teams playing for the Super Bowl. Let me give you perspective on 14 wins in a season, 13 in the regular season and, and one in the playoffs. Group producing the show today and always. Do you know how long it has taken the Cleveland Browns to win 14 games? 
Oh, it'll be like in the like late eighties, nineties. Well, back well, when no, like Belichick I, I, was there, right? Well, but I mean, no, but not not just for the season. I mean, how many seasons? Okay, so here here's the deal: the Packers won fourteen games this year. This year, the Cleveland Browns were six and ten. Last year, they were seven, eight, and one. So that's thirteen games. Twenty seventeen, they were zero and sixteen. Twenty sixteen, they were one and fifteen. Let me put this in perspective. It has taken Cleveland four years to win 14 games, four seasons, four seasons to win 14 games. The Packers won 14 games this season. I understand it, it ended with a thud. I, I got it. I, you know, we had some people over last night and it was just, but it, it was kind of apparent to me early on. This wasn't one where at least it wasn't a game where I thought, oh my gosh, you know, they, they've made this mistake or that mistake. Yeah, they, they made mistakes, but the 49ers were a better team. But at the same time, and the Packers are flawed. There's, there's no question about it. The Packers, you know, have various. They, they've, they've improved, but they, they've got to get better defensively. They've got to get, you know, difference makers on offense. There, there's no question about it. They're flawed, but they still won 14 games, got a first round bye, and, and ended up, you know, playing for an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. Is it disappointing? Yeah, it's disappointing. But that game they had a number of years ago against Seattle, where they were in the game, they were ahead until they fell apart with about five minutes left. Okay, that that to me was very disheartening because they had a chance. Truth of the matter is, if you watch that game yesterday, they, they didn't really have it a chance. They just, they're not as good as San Francisco is. And that's, I you know, is that an indictment? Oh, okay, but... You know, it's just the reality. But they were still plenty good, and they were still they had a great season. And I don't think I'm I'm just being too much of a of a fan of the home team. I, I'm able to step back and say it was a pretty darn good year. Okay, let's open up the phone lines eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand it's a holiday. Matter of fact, I understand a lot of people are probably off today. And I know that people are depressed. People are maybe angry. People are disappointed. Wouldn't it have been cool to be able to say we're going to the Super Bowl in two weeks? But, you know, all in all, looking at this season, I think it's been a pretty darn good season. I I understand that anything short of winning the Super Bowl is obviously going to be a disappointment. But I think there was a lot of improvement. I I think... They had a tremendous season, and let's not take anything away from that. Am I being too much of a Pollyanna? I don't think so, but I'm willing to discuss it. I mean, 14 and 4. They were, you know, there's 32 teams in the National Football League, and 28 of them were at home yesterday, you know? So, yeah, they went to San Francisco, and yes, they had their lunch handed to them. I get it. I get it. They're not as good a team, but at the same time, 14 and 4 is nothing to sneeze about, at least in my opinion. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is lining up the calls. If you're on the line, please hold on. We discuss in just a moment. I think it was a successful Packers season. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not jumping over the cliff. Disappointed about last night, but I, and, and I don't know if they're going to make changes. I don't know who's going to be back. I don't know if they're going to fire, but all this fire this coach or fire that coach. My God, they were 14 and 4. We discuss in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. All right. I, I, look, I, I'm disappointed, too. And, and I understand it was tough to watch that game yesterday. They lost by 17. And let's face it, it wasn't really that close. But for everybody who's getting ready to jump off a cliff today, let's be honest. Taking a step back. 
the 49ers were a better, more talented team. And I think those of us who watched the Packers this year would say that. But having said that, this team, this team did a great job. 14 and 4. I mean, is it, oh, we got to fire everybody. This is just terrible. No, they, they got their lunch handed to them yesterday. That is disappointing. It's too bad the season ended. But really? All right, here's a text. Jeff, what's there to be disappointed about? Try being a Lions fan. You know, no, no kidding. Jeff, I agree. It was an unexpectedly great Packer season, but it's get, it's getting frustrated that after suffer, suffering through the awful teams of the 70s and the 80s, we've now had nearly 30 years of the Favre-Rogers era where too many times they've come up just short in the playoffs, squandering opportunities to get to the Super Bowl that other teams have captured and many others, you know, wish they even had a chance. Well, I it, right, I understand that's that is disappointing. There, there's no question about it, but would you rather be Cleveland? Like I say, four seasons, Cleveland's won 14 games. Four entire seasons. The Packers did that this year. All right, 855-616-1620. Let's start with James in Milwaukee. James, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Jeff. Uh, look at uh, what we accomplished this year. Uh, Vince Lombardi and the rest of these co- uh, coaches, uh, Mike Holgren and all these other ones, never accomplished anything like that their first year and stuff like that. And Look at how... How much uh, we did, uh, even by the seat of our pants, if you want to call it that way, of how we how we made uh, things happen and stuff like that. We were we were kind mm-hmm. of a shaky thirteen and three team, or fourteen and four, uh, with a kind of a yeah. what do you call it, uh, thing yesterday. But uh, yeah. all in all, uh, I would say we had a good season. I yeah. hope that everybody can come on back and uh, be able to rebuild and. Uh, Make some noise next year. Well, yeah, James. I mean, here, here's the fact. I mean, the the uh, my guess is th- there are weaknesses on the roster. If they're going to compete with San Francisco, they've got to get more impact players on offense. They've got to get. I, I mean, I, I I have my own theories, but I'll leave that to the football people. Yeah, and and about probably about a quarter of the team isn't going to be back next year. There needs to be a degree of turnover. They need to get better. They weren't good enough. But that's not to say that they didn't have just a really good year. Jeff, outclassed is outclassed. All the Packers fans said we won are now saying they and have turned their backs on them. I think it's shameful. Remember a great season, and for goodness sake, stop whining like Cubs fans. Um, Well, <laughs> ew, I, I just... I mean, again, I, I look at this and I think, hey, it was, it was a good, productive year. Jeff, I'm really grateful for the fact that we made it as far as we did. I really still don't believe that's that we're that good. We never really blew anybody out. Well, okay, again, I to, to me, a win is a win. And I understand. I was listening to this national commentator saying in the regular season they were thirteen and three. This is the worst thirteen and three team we've ever seen. That's great. That all right? You're not going to look back in ten or twenty years and say, "Oh, this is a bad thirteen and three year team." They're going to say, "Oh, the, the Packers won thirteen games." And and yeah, they're they're a flawed team, but they were still able to win and gave us. I think you know, I'll, gave us all. I think a, a lot of. A lot of fun watching the season. All right, um, 855-616-1620. Tim in Fredonia. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, morning. Morning, I should say afternoon, Jeff. You know, a couple of couple of things here. I was telling your screener, the uh, game still won in the trenches, and we got dominated yep. on both sides of the ball, Jeff. We were, we were fortunate enough to win a lot of one-score games this year. We were very fortunate that we stayed pretty healthy the, yep. the, 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 for the season, Jeff. Yep. And that stuff's not going to happen again next year. We've got a first-place schedule coming up next year. We have to go back to San Francisco 
to, you know, again next year in the regular season. And I hope that's not the opening NBC game of the week. <laughs> um, you know, we're not going to be ready for that. It's just, here's the deal, Jeff, and I understand the disappointment. I understand it's 14-4. I get all that, Jeff. I'm not in the moral victories. But the, the, the opportunities we have, you don't get to the NFC right. championship very often, Jeff, okay? And the last three we've been there on the road, we've gotten our asses kicked, for lack of a better term. And yep. it's hard to get there. So what yep. I'm saying is, they need to upgrade quickly, and because the window's not closed yet. But we just learned a lesson yesterday, and yeah. it's how—it's not that they lost, Jeff. It's how they lost. They got completely destroyed, yeah. and that's the most disappointing part about it. Thanks, well, buddy. no, thanks, it. thanks, and, and Tim, and I, I look. I don't disagree. They—they they have a ways to go. There it looks to me. Again, I, I'm not—I'm not an NFL talent scout, but just. As a fan, there looks to me like there's a huge talent gap right now between San Francisco and the Packers, and maybe between the Packers and New Orleans. I mean, who, you know, New Orleans got knocked off by Seattle, but, you know, or by, uh, yeah, by Seattle, right? Um, so, you know, who, who knows, you know, how that would ultimately end up turning out. But, you know, the, you know, and I, I don't, I'm going to worry about next year, next year. Do the Packers need to upgrade? Yes, they do. Do they need to spend a little more money, bring in some different players, difference makers? Yeah, they, they do. But I mean, I, I think they made a significant, they, they made a significant stride this year. This year's team was much, much better than last year's team. So yeah, you, I think, you know, you want to have them improve, but I'm not going to sit here and look at a schedule and worry about what next year is going to be right now. I mean, you don't know what the team is going to look like. I, again, I think that there's a, a window as well. Aaron Rodgers isn't getting any younger. They need to put more skill players around him. They need to continue to make upgrades on the defense. Can they do it? I don't know, but I'm not going to worry about what next year is going to look like. And yes, it was disappointing, but all right, it, it was what it was. They had a great year. Let's talk to Marge in Janesville. Marge, you're on WTMJ. Hi. I didn't think I'd get on that quick. That's great. Sure. Um, I, I enjoy your show, and I, too, am I'm really proud of that team. They never got down and got dirty like some teams do. Well, they're not the, they're um, not the Patriots. They weren't cheating like the Patriots. Yes. No, I did. There was one of our. I was thinking it was Jones, and it may, it may have been a run, but I was thinking it was a pass. And um, when he, um, the guy, shoved him out or mm-hmm. out of bounds. But to me, you know, I guess I, I saw the fellow really kind of go at him a little bit, helmet to helmet. Um. Not terribly bad, but it certainly to me could have been avoided. But I, um, the the guys, to me came together yeah. as a real group this year. They really um, enjoyed one another. They enjoyed playing the football yeah. game, and, and they won thirteen and, games during the year. They won thirteen games. We had a lot of. I mean, thanks to caller. I mean, Mark, they, we had we had a lot of good Mondays or, you know, or Tuesday mornings after Monday night games or Friday mornings after Thursday night games. They won a lot of games. And yes, I understand they won some of them ugly. And yes, I understand that they won some close games. And yes, I understand that they weren't this, this necessarily this dominant team, but they still won. They went really far. I, I think they got beat by a better team. Yes, do they have to figure out how to close that gap? And do they have to figure out how to close that gap in a hurry? They, they certainly do. They certainly do. But would you rather be the Packers or would you rather be the Lions? Would you rather be the Packers? Would you rather be the Bears? I mean, seriously, that, that's how I think you have to look at this. Mark and Sheboygan. Mark, you're on WTMJ. 
Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I got two comments I want to make. First of all, you guys talked about, you know, San Francisco is a better team and everything, the matchup overall. But I, I'm willing to bet, I think if the Packers would have played one of their best games like they have early in the year sometimes, with no turnovers and played really tough, I think it would have been a totally different game, especially on that snap in the second quarter when Rodgers kind of fumbled that snap there. It wasn't all his fault. But yeah. that, like even Terry Bradshaw said, it's all about momentum. Because yeah. he even took the Packers to win that game. And well, said, and I'll tell you, if, if the game just... was at Lambeau, if, if, if you know, interesting, you can play the what-if game. If San Francisco hadn't been able to beat Seattle and get home field advantage, if the game was at Lambeau, maybe that would have been a different dynamic, too. So, I mean, maybe it would have been a closer game. So there's all sorts of what-ifs you can play. And, yeah, if they hadn't fumbled. I know, but, but, yeah. Okay. But the other thing is, the other point I wanted to make that really bothers me most of all is, They've lost five championships in a row now. I think Lombardi would be turning over in his grave or shaking his head right now if he could see some of that. And I think there's a serious problem there about with Rodgers. I don't think he can handle the big games anymore. Don't get me wrong. I love the guy. I think he's a great quarterback. He's done really good there over the years. He's proven that. But to lose five championships in a row, no other team in history is ever going to do that or ever has done that yet in their career. Well, wait a second, Mark. Well, wait a second, Mark. The, the Buffalo Bills lost four Super Bowls in a row. I mean, they, they went through that streak. Now, the Packers, you're saying five. I think, Grew, help me out. You look, I think it's three NFC conference finals that they've lost. They, they lost yeah. yesterday. They lost to Seattle. They lost to Atlanta, right? The conference finals. Yes. Now, they've lost in the playoffs before, too, right? Yeah, they lost in the playoffs as well. But the NFC championship it, games, they have three. lost the past three. So last night's, and then against the Falcons in 2016, right. and then two years before that to the Seahawks. Which was that game that still, I think, haunts a lot of us Packers fans where they had it and yep. they, they blew it at the end. Yeah, yeah. But, but then we won in 2010, which was our Super Bowl year, right. but then we did lose in 2007 against the New York Giants right. at Lambeau. That was the one of um, right. Brett Favre's right. That games. was the year I think that they went 15 and like or 15 and one or something, and then uh, in the regular season, and then and then the defense kind of let them down. Yeah, look, I, I, I guess. I, do I think? Do I think it has been disappointing? Do I think that, given the talent the Packers have had, say at quarterback during the Favre years and the the Aaron Rodgers years, that we should have more than two Super Bowl victories? Yeah, I, I do. Um, you know, where do you lay the blame? Do you blame Ted Thompson? I don't know. Do you blame Mike McCarthy? Where do you lay the blame? I don't know. But I just, as I look back on this year, the, the year was a success. So you know, don't 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 jump off bridges. There, just don't, don't jump off bridges. I don't know what next year is going to bring, but sometimes I think we just we we have to enjoy the moment. And yes, yesterday was ending a great season on a thud. But let's not forget, it was a great season. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. My producer asks a very good question. Should we put that out to the audience? I, I think that's a, a okay. Because during the break, he says, "Did you go anywhere for the game, or did you watch at your place?" And we we had a couple people over, and my my very dear friend Evan came over, and my brother and his girlfriend, and um, we had a my my wife Fran. We had our friends John and Mary came over so it, it was small and we it, it was it was kind of a low key thing Fran made like hot sandwiches and meatballs and some chips and dip it wasn't this huge thing but you know everybody came over people got there a little after 5 and the question grew asked was did, did people bail and the answer was no everybody stayed for the entire game now i i admit that in the second half 
I don't know, maybe maybe there was a little more conversation. Maybe we're just as riveted on play after play after play. And I, I freely acknowledge that during the first half of the game, um, well, an, a handful of us, myself included, perhaps took the Lord's name in vain once or twice as they're just gashing the Packers. But but no, ev- everybody stayed. You know, no nobody bailed. And uh, that's perhaps a, a testament to the fact that we all like each other and the fact that, you know, my, my wife makes really good food. But uh, now you had some people over as well, right? Yeah, we had, uh, Kelly and I had two of our friends over for the game and they were thinking about leaving somewhere around halftime or sort of putting the question. I don't know how much they were considering it, but uh, no, they stayed for the whole game. Um, but I also wanted to figure out, like, you know, what if, if you were watching it at home or if you went out, because right. my, my plan was to go, Kaylee and I were going to go out to a bar on the east side for at least the first half, and I wonder what it would have been. We didn't, obviously, but what that atmosphere would have been like. If I had gone to the the tavern that I go to right. to watch games, I would have left at halftime. I I I freely acknowledge I would have left at halftime. But I would listen to the game on the way back. But no, we no no. Matter of fact, I don't think it occurred to anybody to to leave. You know, we kind of stayed and and watched it just because. Well, that's it. All right. Just just one thing. I find that to be an intriguing question. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Just one segment here. All right. If you were watching the game, and I'm saying watch, watching, and I know that there's a lot of people who turn down the sound and, and listen to Wayne and Larry, but if if you were, were watching the game, did you did you stay with it until the, the bitter end? Or did you, you know, bail at halftime? Did you bail in the middle of the third quarter? Because let's let's face it, you know, certainly by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, it, it was apparent that the Packers weren't going to be staging some sort of miracle comeback. But at least at, at, at our little mini party, we had, I mean, no, I don't think anybody even thought of leaving. We were all going to watch it till the end because that's what Packers fans do, isn't it? Um, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Did you... Did you hang around? Did you stick it out to the the end? Or when it became inevitable, did you bail? We stuck it out to the end. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, we had about 20 people at the house for the game, had six or so from furthest away leave at the third quarter, had four people left at the official end of the game. Huh. Um, and again, maybe the fact that everybody stayed was a tribute to the fact that I had plenty of beer and good bourbon, and my wife is a great cook. Jeff, I turned it off and watched The Outsider. It was much less horrifying. Well, I, you know, even though you knew the game was effectively over at halftime, it's still, you know, you you want to watch the plays, you want to root, hope springs eternal and those type of things. No, we, we everybody stayed to the bitter end. And, and actually, I mean, I think most people watched the game until the, the bitter end. Now, a lot of times we were perhaps shaking our heads. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, Jeff, unfortunately, I always watch the Packers game until the end and put myself through the, the misery. All right, well, okay. Jeff, the first half the, on the edge of the seat for that part of the second half, but then I, I started to fall asleep. Well, there is that. Jeff, what game? <laughs> okay, fair enough. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Mark in Milwaukee. Mark, you're first. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Mark. Uh, yesterday, um, about halftime, we had the, the news on a little bit, and they were talking about cops, and they had a special ice cream called Cheesehead. And so me and my girlfriend are like, oh, it's halftime. Let's go get some ice cream from Cops. So we went, we went to Cops, 
And uh, there was a line all the way outside. I was like the 10th person all the way outside. <laughs> Everybody wanted this Chiefs head ice cream, and people were online, I mean, in the line saying, hey, did you guys see the commercial to it halftime about the cops' ice cream? And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. We all had, you know, Packers attire and everything. So yeah, it was kind of neat. Okay. And then did you, get, did you go back and watch the end of the game after you got the ice cream, or had you kind of bailed on that? No, we went back and watched yeah. the end of the game. Yeah, good. Right. I mean, that's that, that's it. I mean, even though you knew it was gonna, even though you knew it was gonna end badly, I'm, I'm with you. We kind of did the same thing, and I don't think I, I don't think anybody really said, okay, well, this is this is terrible. It's seven o'clock. We're gonna go home. Gail in Kenosha. Gail, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Gail. Um, I was at my cousin's. Um, they have what they call the Packer Shrine in their basement um, with tiered seating. So there were probably about 25 of us there. Um, and we all stayed to the end. I'm pretty, I sat sort of up towards the front, so there may have been something left. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure most of us stayed till the end. But I know that I spent more time on my phone looking, you know, <laughs> checking out things on Facebook right. and that kind of thing during the second half. Well, right. I mean, and I and I kind of get that. Like I said, my guess is we had more conversations, just you know, social conversations, than we would have if it had been you know ten to seven or something like that. But we stuck it out. We're Packers fans, right? Right. Uh, it's a tiered seating. I like that. Thanks for the call. Let's talk to Sean in Bristol. Sean, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how you doing? Real well, thank um, you. I stuck with it. I I stuck with it. You know, I mean, I'm a diehard Packer fan. Um, I actually came from Chicago. I'm in Bristol now. Um, but I'm a diehard Packer fan and have been since I was younger. Um, we had about eight minutes left in the game, and we were down by 14 points at that point. Yeah. And, you know, if our defense could have stepped up, you know, got a couple three and outs, we could have tied this game. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> It I didn't mean. work out that way, but but hope was springing eternal. You, you hadn't given up, huh? <laughs> No, I I didn't give up. I didn't give up till you know. Yeah. Or you know they scored again. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Well, well right. No, I, I get it. But no, but but see again that that's it. You never you never know exactly you know what what's what's going to happen. But you, I I wasn't I wasn't going to turn it off and say oh let, let's go watch something else. We were going to watch it to the end. And to the credit of my friends, my guests, I mean ev- everybody stuck it out. Marcus, Marcus, you're on WTMJ. Marcus, uh, I did a little bit of I did a little bit of both. I uh, just had some remodeling done at the house, so I got caught up on five hours of staining and uh, painting. <laughs> right. So I got to uh, watch the game as I'm up on the ladder, come down off the ladder, have a sip of my cocktail, and be sad and depressed and happy all at the same time. So it worked out. Yeah, exactly. No, thanks for that. that. That's that's kind of it. Uh, Sarah says, Jeff, I stuck it out, and like watching the movie The Irishman, um, it's three hours of my life I'll never get back. Yeah, except the Packers. It, I think it was I, I, watching The Irishman to me was even tougher. Jeff, I watched until the bitter end. I knew it was the last Packers game of the season. Jeff, I stayed until the bitter end. I'm a Chicago transplant and was watching the game with my Packers-loving boyfriend and his family. I didn't really care about the game but the sloppy joes and cranberry bread kept me happy well that's that's you know that that's it i mean i i cared about the game but good sloppy joes and good cranberry bread that would keep me happy as well terry and waukesha terry you're on wtmj hello hi jeff how are you i'm well thank you did you stick it out uh, well, what's kind of funny I and mean, kind of embarrassing is like i actually was asleep in the first half because we were at a re- 
uh, thing over the weekend, a tournament in the Dells, and I woke up a little bit late. But I saw that we were getting crushed. However, I was so frustrated because we were, I think one of the callers said, when it was like eight minutes left, two scores down, I never, I always hold out hope. And Aikman and Buck were just so frustrating because they already had us ruled out as losing. And right. I, I mean, maybe I'm not being... Uh, maybe I'm more of a dreamist, but I still thought we had plenty of time, and we've seen things happen in the past. Yeah. So I know that, okay. yeah, the temple wasn't, you know, well, set that way. But so you you slept through the first half. You legitimately slept through the first half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah. not intentional. My right. my daughter's supposed to wake me up. Right. Well, that <laughs> I mean, that must. I got to tell you that. Now I'm not sure what would be worse. Watching that, mm-hmm. watching that first half and seeing them behind twenty-seven and nothing, or waking up and finding mm-hmm. they're twenty-seven and nothing. That's that's six-five pick them. I, I don't know which one's yeah. worse. It's, what do you mean they're behind yeah. twenty-seven and nothing? How could that be? <laughs> well, th- thanks for calling. Yeah. And again, I appreciate the hope springs eternal. I, I, I think I would have preferred to watch the first half than wake up and just kind of know it's that bad. But look again, the bottom line is. You know, we, we do this for the, the entertainment value of it. No, nobody at my house went anywhere. Back with more in just a minute. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So glad to have you with us. Okay, Eric Bilsett, do you think people need a little bit of good news today, right? Yes, a little yes. Bit, a little bit bummed out because of the Packers game and stuff. All right. Now, I, I acknowledge if you are one of these people that love things like the polar vortex, gee, I love it when it's 10 degrees below zero <laughs> with a 30-mile-an-hour wind chill, you know, bring it to minus 40. If, if yeah. you're one of those people... Or you're one of those people that love, gee, I, I wish we had like four feet of snow on the ground and I wish it stayed till April. Okay, if you're one of those people, maybe this is not the best news, but I, I, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the 10-day forecast. It's really good. I mean, it's, um, okay, today it's supposed to go down to like nine degrees, single digits tonight. But after that, the high tomorrow is 26. And then for the next eight days, the next eight days through a week from Wednesday, the the high forecast it, it, above freezing every day, 32, 36, 36, 37, 38, 37. I mean, uh, in that area, it's supposed to be above freezing. And none of these nights, matter of fact, from Thursday on, the, there's very little temperature thing. It, even at night, they're not predicting below freezing temperatures. Pretty mild. Right. So, and, and that takes us, the, the 10-day forecast takes us through next Wednesday, which is January 29th. So now I, I understand that that first week in February or the second week in February or the first week in March, I understand we can still get warmed. But but the closer you get, I mean, once you get through January, it's starting to be downhill. February is a short month. Then you got March, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, that's an optimistic way of looking at well, it. Well, no, but it I is. Know, I, February tends to cause some issues from time right, to time. Right, it does. But February is a shorter month. Yeah. And I've got two vacation scheduled February on top of that. That's I go to Florida right. for a week and go to Vegas at the end of the month. But but that's but no. But still, but February is a shorter month. My my only point is the daylight hours are starting to get longer. Mm-hmm, that's true. We're all right now. We it was a miserable November and stuff like that. But we're almost through January. And I understand I'm jinxing this. And there's we're we're going to have some more like bitterly cold weather and things like that. But I'm just 
I'm the glasses half full guy. That's what All that right, is. That's it. And <laughs> and I, I'm particularly sympathetic because I have this little dog that I take out for walks, and she hates the cold. And when there's all this snow, I mean, just trying to for her find a spot to do right, her sure. business is right. a struggle. You know, oh, I, yeah. I I shovel out this huge area and like on our front yard and stuff. She doesn't want to go there. You know, no, that Dad, I don't want to go there. I want to here find some other place to go. But it's okay. <laughs> we're we're through January. It's all getting good. Everything's everything's good. Starting to be downhill. This is the twenty twenty. Jeff Wagner. It's kind of the glass glass half full. All right. I love this story. My question to you is, what would you have done? Now, let me back into this for for just a minute. Uh, I would like to think that for most of us, if you were... I don't know, walking down the street or you, you sit down at, you know, at, at a at a bench somewhere and you notice that there's like a wallet on the ground next to you and you, you open up the wallet, you find the wallet and it's got a bunch of money in it and credit cards and somebody's identification. You, you know who this belongs to. I like to think that most of us, hopefully all of us, would do what I would think would be the right thing, which was return the wallet to the rightful owner. Maybe you send it to the owner. Maybe you call them up if you got their phone number. Maybe you give it to the police. But if you know who something belongs to, all right, I'd like to think we would do the right thing. Now, there becomes it becomes more difficult when you don't know for sure who something belongs to. You're sitting at the bus stop, and you're, you're on the bench, and you look down, and there's a $5 bill on the ground. All right, maybe you take the $5 bill, you look around, there's nobody there. Maybe you put that in your pocket, because what are you going to do? Go to the cops and say, I, I found this $5 bill. All right, if, if it's a 10, does it change? If it's a $20 bill, does it change? If you find a, a bag with $1,000, what do you do? And, and there's all of these different gradients. Well, let me tell you the story. Something that happened to a guy who lives in um, Owasso, Michigan. So here's the deal. His name is Howard Kirby. And what happens is he goes over to a Habitat for Humanity restore, which is, you know, people donate old furniture, things like that. It's kind of like a kind of like a goodwill type of store, except this one's for Habitat for Humanity. He goes and he buys a couch at the Habitat for Humanity restore. All right, fine. Takes the couch home. And I mean his story is he said, look, I, I bought this couch because I wanted to put it in my, my man cave in my basement. And he said, you know, I, I, I bought the couch and I bought this ottoman that goes with the couch. And he says, you know, it's funny because the, the ottoman, you know, it just, it, it didn't feel right. It was kind of like lumpy. And, you know, it just, there was like something, it just something wasn't right. So he, he's complaining to his daughter. He says, yeah, I bought this thing at this Habitat for Humanity restore. And it's just, it just, it just feels funny. So his daughter says, okay, you know, I think she got annoyed about dad complaining about the, the couch that he bought for however much he bought it for. You know, again, it's a restore, so he couldn't pay that much for it. He said, so the daughter says, okay, well, uh, let me look at this ottoman. So what she does is she, she unzips the cushion that goes with the ottoman. And what she finds in there is stacks and stacks and stacks of $100 bills. So the reason the thing seemed like lumpy and uncomfortable was because there was all this cash that was stuffed in the cushion. So they start pulling out all this money. A hundred, five hundred, a thousand, five thousand, 
10,000. At the end of the process, they have taken $43,000 in $100 bills out of this cushion for the Ottoman. No wonder it was lumpy. All right, so now you've got $43,000 in cash that you have now taken out of this. And the question becomes, what do you end up doing with it? Um, first of all, apparently the guy, he calls calls some lawyer he knows. And he says, I, this is what happened. What What's the deal here? What are, what are my rights with regard to this money? And the lawyer apparently says, you are under no legal obligation to return it. You don't have to, you know, it, you bought the couch. Money is in there. You know, you have no evidence to believe that, you know, it's illegally obtained. You know, it's it's yours. You can keep it if you want. So then the guy starts thinking about this and he starts thinking about it. All right. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, forty-three grand. I need you to be honest, because that's how this segment works. What say that happens to you? You go to the Habitat for Humanity resale store. You go to the Goodwill store, whatever. You buy the couch. You pay for it. You get it home, and then a month or so after you've gotten home, you're starting to look at it because it doesn't feel quite right. You open up the cushions, you find $43,000 in cash. You are under no legal obligation to return it. Be honest. What do you do with the dough? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's your couch. You've bought it. You've purchased it. Don't have to return it. But you know it's not your $43,000. What do you do with it? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Be honest. We're going to have a conversation about it. If you're on the line, please hold on. Grew lining up the calls. Back to talk about it in just a moment. Do you keep the windfall? You are legally entitled to do it. At least that's what the lawyers say, and they're probably right. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, interesting time. We just ran that commercial for St. Vincent de Paul, but th- th- this wasn't St. Vincent de Paul, but it was a similar place. It was Habitat for Humanity resale store. Guy buys a couch there. The couch just doesn't feel right. Feels lumpy or something. Complains to his daughter. His daughter opens up the ottoman, and inside they find out why it's lumpy. $43,000 in cash. All $100 bills crammed into uh, the-, the cushion. So he pulls it out. He calls a lawyer. The lawyer says, you know, you, you're under no legal obligation to return it. You purchase the couch. You know, it's it's kind of finders, keepers, etc. All right. What would you do if that was you? Let's start with Amanda in Menominee Falls. Amanda, good afternoon. Hey. Hi, Amanda. Uh, well, first, I'd probably freak out and <laughs> think that it was a dream, but I would go for a really nice dinner at Stanford and tip the waiter really nicely, pay off the rest of my college loans, and then use the rest for a down payment on a, a next house. Okay, so the bottom line is you, you would keep it. You wouldn't think about returning. I would totally. <laughs> okay. Um, I would, uh, yeah, probably, it would be too hard to uh, return it. And, you know, you never know what happens to something like that when it gets turned back in. You're like, well, am I going to get it back if no one claims it? Right. Probably not. 
Right. So you're would it would it would you lose any? I, and I, I appreciate you calling because I, I I asked for honest opinions. Would you lose any sleep over? Gee, maybe this was somebody's like life savings that they had tucked in here. Oh. <laughs> uh, I would probably have a pretty big uh, moral battle, but uh, you but you keep it. <laughs> had to get turned in, you know. If it, if it wasn't me, then, you know, it would have been somebody else. Okay. All right. Good enough. Thanks for calling. That, that's what I, I, I ask. I ask for people to be absolutely honest as to what they do. And like I say, this is a little bit, this is a different factual situation than you, you find a wallet or you find a, a paper bag with cash that's got a deposit slip in it so you know who it belongs to. In this particular case, I mean, they first of all, they they have no idea where this money came from. Secondly, they bought the couch. So it's not even found money. I mean, they bought the couch, so this guy owns the couch. It, it is his. Does that change anything? Joe in Greenfield. Joe, you're on WTMJ. I'm headed straight to the gas station buying myself 20,000 lottery tickets <laughs> to win myself a jackpot. <laughs> well, okay. You don't think you've won enough of a jackpot when you find forty three grand in your sofa? <laughs> No way. 20,000 lottery tickets, that'll give me a couple million dollars at least. All right. Well, thanks. Okay. See, now, now see, that that's kind of, I see, as somebody who's been known to place a bet or two, that strikes me as, as really tempting fate. I mean, because karma can be a you-know-what. If you find this huge windfall, to put it back in and say, okay, now I'm going to use that money to play the lottery. At least our first caller, Amanda, she wanted to pay off student loans and use it for a down payment. 414-799-1620. What would you do? With, with the money, would you keep it? Would you try to give it back? If so, who would you give it back to? Jeff in Milwaukee. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hi there. Hi. Say, nope, I uh, keep it in a heartbeat. Um, I would make an, an effort, if it could be traced back to who donated that, it's unlikely. Um, okay. If I wanted to make a donation to the Habitat, that's fine. But it's just like the folks that go... To Goodwill or other thrift stores, they find a valuable painting that's all dirty and kind of schmutzed up, and all of a sudden it's worth twenty grand. Right. Well, hey, you were the lucky one. Right. Okay. Good enough. No, thanks. Thanks for call. I okay. Let's see. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. No, you you were definitely the lucky one. That's why I bring it up. I, I mean, the lawyer says you have no legal obligation to return it. And my guess is that's probably right. Rob, who's calling us from Illinois. Hi, Rob. You're on WTMJ. Hi, how you doing? Real well, thank I you. I that last call. If there was some kind of re- if there's some kind of way you can give it back to the guy, I'll give it back to him. And I believe there was some kind of writing clipped on there. When I seen on the news, there was some kind of writing on there with the money. I don't know what was yeah. on there, but if there was like a name and address or a phone number or something, I'll try to get a hold of them. Okay. What if Habitat? What if Habitat keeps records of, of who makes these donations? So, l- let's say there's a right. way that you could trace it back. Would you would you return it or would you just go ahead and keep it? Sure, I would return it. Okay, all right. Thanks. Okay. Well, thanks. Well, I mean, I, I mean, the first couple of callers said that they they they'd keep the dough. Now, legally, legally, you have no obligation to return it because you. I mean, you Habitat sold the sofa. Somebody donated the sofa to Habitat. 
Habitat sold the sofa. You paid money for it, and yeah, it, it's it's yours. So I think that's a that's a legally correct position. And as one of our callers, I think Rob was correct. He said it's kind of like, hey, you you go to Goodwill, you you buy this painting, you know, you think it's dogs playing cards, po- playing poker, and then you get back and you kind of like scrape it off, and it turns out to be Rembrandt. Well, okay, it's 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 yours. Let's talk to Jeff in Slinger. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. I'll give you my answer in a second, but I've got a funny story first. I'm driving in the car, and just as you start your story, guess what turns makes a left turn in front of me? What's that? A lease store truck. <laughs> and you're thinking maybe I should follow that. Maybe it's got a sofa that's got 43 grand in the cushions, huh? <laughs> maybe something else, but it, it tells me I'm in the right place anyway. There you go. Okay, so what would so you do with the aunt, dough if, if you found yeah, I it? Would make I would make an effort to return it because what I was thinking is it could have been an estate that was being cleaned out by the family. Right. And they wouldn't have known that there was money in there, so I would make an effort to return it. Even if nobody... Now, the truth is, this is the conscience thing, Jeff, because the truth is nobody's probably going to know if you keep that money. That That's just the, the, the bottom line. Nobody's going to ever know about that. That would probably be yours. It would just be between you, your accountant, and your uh, and your conscience. It would bother my conscience if I knew that, you know, someone, some family had $43,000 that they never knew about and never had it. Got it. Got it. Okay, interesting. George in Illinois. George, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. What do you do uh, with the dough? Glad you could take my call. Thanks for calling. I appreciate uh, it. My conscience would be the same as his, the last car. It wouldn't let me keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if, uh, even if you knew it's never going to come back to you and even if your lawyer says it's yours legally. Yeah, okay, he's right. Um, but God says you got to do the right thing. Yeah, and the right thing is and giving it back. And to try and track him down, you don't know who donated it. Like he said, maybe it was an estate, and the people that donated are living on welfare. Right, right. Hey, they could use it more than I can. Got it. I got what I need. Got it. So okay. A funny I, story, though. Okay. A funny story. I was driving down the road in Arlington Heights, and I looked over, and there's a wallet. I said to my wife, I think that's a wallet. So I parked and went back and got it, and it was. It was $185 in cash. No identification except a school ID card, which had uh, senior at high school at this high school. So I found a school, and I went over, and I said, I found this on the road, and I'd like to give it back to the kid. That And it yeah. was somebody's name and an ID number, no uh, address. And they said, well, we can't give you the address because of the security concerns, but we'll give it back to them. And I said, okay. But I still wonder if they really kept it <laughs> yes. or if they really give it back to the kids that needed it. Yeah, you were, yeah, you, you, were, know, you were trusting. No, thank, I, thank, I get it. See, I think it's, it's, it's easy. If you find somebody else's wallet, you know, you, you know what you do with it. This is different. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back right before the news, I'll tell you what I think I would have done, and I'll tell you what the guy did. Stick around. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. We think our text line has stopped working about a half hour ago. So um, this is, of course, Martin Luther King's birthday. It's a, it's a holiday. So we have a skeleton crew here. Gru is here. I am here. But um, if, if you're sending in texts and you're not getting responses or I'm not reading them, it's because I don't think it's working right now. And we'll we'll try. We will endeavor to do our best to get that back up again. All right.
grew. Do you know who Hank Azaria is? Yeah. Yeah, Hank Azaria, um, a comedian, perhaps best known as one of the voices of the characters on The Simpsons. Yeah, he does a lot of voicing on a lot of different stuff. Right, exactly. And he is, on The Simpsons, he is the voice of Apu. Uh, if you are a fan of The Simpsons, and, and, and at some point in time, you know, The Simpsons has been such a part of popular culture for the last two decades plus that it's it's kind of impossible not to have at least seen some of The Simpsons. And um, there, there's a variety of characters. Apu is one of the... I think more popular, one of the more beloved characters, Apu is the guy that runs the convenience store, right? He is also, and this is a stereotype, he is, he's, he's from India, an India Indian, and he has a, an accent, and the, the, he is voiced in dialect, so they, they do the stereotypical dialect. I don't do dialects on the radio because it does nothing but get you in trouble, but it, it's, it's the Simpsons, the Simpsons is a show about stereotypical characters. You've got the police chief, who's the fat police chief who eats donuts, right? I mean, it's 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 that. You've got, you know, the bartender Mo. You've got the big kind of sloppy drunk Barney. I mean, you've got it's they, they build on all sorts of stereotypes. And one of the stereotypes that they have is again Apu, who is the guy from India who runs the the Quickie Mart. Well, a couple years ago, this became controversial because there was this documentary put out by a, a filmmaker who is from India who said, hey, this, this is, this is stereotypical. It is offensive. And, you know, people should be bothered about this. It, it's not funny. The Simpsons responded by, again, not, not backing down. And the Simpsons actually did some stuff in the show where they talked about how, look, this is, this is this is kind of political correctness that's run amok about this. And they said, look, we, we have all these characters that are, again, stereotyped. You know, you've got Smithers, who is the Mr. Burns assistant. He's funny, they say, because, okay, it's very clear he, he's gay, and he's a closeted gay guy. Okay, you know, we, we, we think this is a funny stereotype, and we don't mean to be offensive to, you know, any in- given individual, but, you know, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason, and we need to be able to laugh at ourselves. So... Bottom line is, this has been a controversy for a while. Simpsons creators have talked about this being, again, political correctness run amok. Um, in any event, over the last couple of days, the voice of Apu, Hank Azario, he came out publicly and said, I'm not going to do the voice anymore. I, I, I don't know what they're going to do with the character, but I have no plans to continue voicing the, the carrier. Uh, the, the character. Now, they might decide to recast it. They might find, you know, an, an Indian actor, immigrant, you know, who, actor who does this. I, I, I don't know. But I'm not going to do it anymore because, you know, th- this character, I think, reinforces racial stereotypes. And, and I think, you know, it's it's bad. Our number Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now my guess is, you know, perhaps you like me are a fan of the Simpsons. My brother's into it a lot more than I am. But I, I mean I, I think you know, any show that's been on for as long as it is, they have kind of hits and they have misses and you need to evolve. But it is a show built around cartoon characters, many of whom are stereotypes. In this particular case, there's no question it is a racial stereotype. 
Does that mean that we should get rid of this? And if we get rid of Apu, do we, what do we do with the police chief, Chief Wiggum, the, the image of the overweight cop who, who likes to eat, eat donuts? I mean, what do we do with all the other characters that are out there that are built on different types of stereotypes? Can we still laugh at that? Can we recognize that, okay, that this is stereotypical, or is it simply too hurtful? 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're back to discuss in just a moment. Like I said, I don't think our text line is working right at the moment, so give me a call. I want to talk to you about it. 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, the character, the guy who voices Apu says, I'm done with it. We discuss in just a moment. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. Okay, so, the car- so the creator of The Simpsons hasn't given in to some of these complaints. People are saying, oh, this character of, of Apu is racially insensitive and it's stereotypically. And it is it is a stereotype. Of course, the whole show is built on stereotypes. Um, he says, you know, people, lo- this is the creator of The Simpsons. He says, people love to pretend that they're offended. He said it wasn't specifically about Apu, but it was about our culture in general. And that's something I've noticed for 25 years. There is the outrage of the week and it comes and goes. For a while, it was kids were stealing quarters out of their mother's purses in order to go to the video arcade and that was going to bring down civilization no one even remembers that because it lasted a week i think particularly right now people feel so aggrieved and crazed and powerless that they're picking the wrong battles i am sorry that the simpsons would be criticized for having an indian character that because of our extraordinary popularity i expected other people to do it um you know maybe who's a problem but who's better who's a better indian animated character in the last 30 years i've been to india twice talked about the simpsons in front of audiences that's why this whole controversy took me by surprise i know that indians are not the same as indian americans and again he's talking about uh, not native americans but india Indians. Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, you know, as long as people watch shows like The Simpsons, you know, you're, there's going to be people creating them. And uh, I'm okay with Hank stepping down. I get it. He's, he's part of the Hollywood elite, and he wants to be ultra-sensitive, and that's okay. I'm fine with The um, Simpsons going on without Hank. Um, you you did a piece on a show, uh, I don't know, around Christmas time that I wanted to call in on the, about the nativity scene on the public courthouse. And in that case, um, even though I'm a Christian, I felt like putting a nativity scene on the courthouse was wrong because you're forcing people, that everyone that does business in a public place, to see that. In the case of The Simpsons, it's it's free will. You can watch it or not. You can turn it off if you don't like the humor. Mm-hmm. If the Simpsons decide to recast the character, okay, so Hank Azaria is no longer going to do the voice, but, I mean, they, they could still continue the character. They could just hire somebody else to, to do the voice. Would would that be a decent – would you think they should do something like that? Well, I, I think, again, as long as somebody wants to see it and find it funny, yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, that's where I'm at. No, thank, see, I, I actually, I, I agree with you. And, and again, I, I think you have to look at, at again, at, at context. What, what is the show? Is this, is it a stereotype? Absolutely. 
you know, at, at the you know, it's the Indian convenience, a capital I Indian convenience store, you know, owner. Yeah, I I, I understand that, but like going back to my first point, the the show is is built around stereotypes, and I guess the question becomes, you know, are we at a point in our society now where you you can't have any any of those stereotypes at all because it's going to be deemed to be insensitive can you not have the you know loud bossy stereotypical woman can you not have the closeted gay guy could you can you not have the i I don't know what's the the ned flanders character you know the the overly overly religious i say overly the the religious guy that they make fun of all the time how about homer simpson who is kind of like the the classic stereotypical doltish you know white guy i mean where where do we end up drawing the line on these things and and if we do decide okay this is unacceptable or that's unacceptable you know where do you draw the line from you know what 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 can you do nowadays in, in the interest of of humor now i think Again, can you go overboard? Yeah, but I am sort of sympathetic to what the Simpsons creator is talking about when he says, "Hey, look, we we've had this character for decades, and 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 people, it's a beloved character. And yes, you know, do do we is it hurtful? Do we mistreat him? No, it's it's a beloved character. It's an incredibly popular character. And yes, there is a degree of of stereotyping to this, but all the Simpsons characters are stereotyped, starting with Bart Simpson, who's the brat. Where do you draw the line in today's society? Now, again, if Hank Azario decides he's not comfortable doing this anymore, that's you know that that's between him and the producers, and that's certainly his right to do it under a contract or whatever. But as far as having to do away with the character, I would be surprised if they decide to give in to this, because at least thus far, the creators of The Simpsons have said, look, we, we're we not bowing down to the gods of political correctness. We love this character. We think the vast majority of our fans love this character as well. Be interesting to see what happens when the next season rolls around. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. This is, of course, Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday. It is a holiday. There's no mail. No, uh, the stock market is, in fact, closed. Yes, we did get a phone call, and it's my mistake. At one thirty, when I was reading the news, oh, I, I did get... I gave the stock gun. I was like, wait, how come they're not right. moving? Well, that, that, well that, you know. That, well, that, we appreciate our listeners. Well, yes, and they, thank and, you for that. Right, yes, I, I did forget. I, 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 trust me, I get a lot of that stuff. You you <laughs> oh, said that they had won three and it was actually four. Well, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it's just it's kind of spoken word radio. But yes, yeah. the, so if, if you're waiting for the mail to come, don't bother because the, the the mail is right. not coming today. So <laughs> And the stock market is closed and lots of banks are closed as we honor Dr. King's birthday. Um, a shortened edition. I'm going to be here for another hour. Shortened edition of Wisconsin's Afternoon News, right, Melissa? Because then we've got our Bucks coverage. That starts like at twelve, at three thirty. Three thirty, correct. So we only have a, a abbreviated uh, from three to three thirty for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Um, John Mercure is on his way back from San Francisco, um, of Santa Clara. Right, not San Francisco, but Santa Clara, to, and uh, yeah. So to, to that point, mm-hmm. on behalf of, of Wisconsin sports fans everywhere. I need you to stand up and, and be assertive because I, I'm convinced that Mercure, 
very, very talented guy, does great shows and stuff like that, and, and his features like from the West Coast were tremendous. But I'm convinced the guy is a flying Dutchman. I was saying this earlier. <laughs> we, we, we sent him to Toronto mm-hmm. right during the Bucks game. It, it, they lost. Every time we send him on the road, oh, no. they lose. Yeah. We sent him to oh, no. Santa Clara. Santa Clara. They, they lost. So if you're in any of these meetings and they're talking about sending somebody, what just – just Should they say, send us, Jeff? Well, I don't. I I, pre- I don't really want to go. And I mean, I, I don't. Do, I mean, because you got to work pretty hard on these you things. Do, it, you it's really do. It's not like it's this vacation trip. If you look at all mm-hmm. the stuff that John's been sending back, but but maybe you should say, you know. You know, John has not been bringing home winners, so maybe we need to send you or, you know, you and Bill's dad or somebody. We'll have to bring this up when John comes back. Uh, maybe tomorrow. Yes. I mean, so that's, uh, you know, there there you go. Well, I, oh, I'm not going to let him forget it exactly. So it's like, you know, I just for, for our, our management, it's kind of like, okay, I, I appreciate that John works really hard. But I'm just saying the track record, the track record is not good. So we need to adjust that. Oh, by the way, our... Um, our our talk and text line, the text line had apparently it had been down for about an hour. It's it's working now because um, it's sort of like a pinball machine because it's sort of like if you go, Melissa, and you have a like there, there's like a leak in a dam and you stick your mm-hmm. finger in it and, and you stop it for a while and then you take it out. The and water just pours through. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so for the last I mean, I'm getting all these messages probably we're, we're, we're close to like 100 text messages oh, that people tried to send mm-hmm. during the one o'clock hour and it wasn't coming through. So now, now they're all coming through at like a time to 207. So that, that's fine. I appreciate the input and stuff. And it is interesting because one of the the changes in the way I have done a radio program over the last 22 plus years here at WTMJ and, and longer than that is is now with the advent of the text messages. Lots of people still call in. Thanks, because it's still at its heart. I do a radio talk show, but it's also you can have feedback if you don't want to necessarily go on the radio. You can have feedback and you can sit and you can interact. And I try to incorporate that into the show as well. So it's uh, been very, very good. All right. I. Oh, look, I'm, I'm a I'm a Milwaukee area guy, right? I mean, we moved out here when I was a little boy, and essentially, aside from going away for a couple of years to college, I have lived here my entire life. So I've seen things come and go. And one of, I think one of the, the big changes has to do with Northridge Shopping Center. Now, I, I understand shopping malls nowadays are, are kind of struggling, but but there was a time when you know, shopping malls were the centers of communities and and you had you in in the, this area you had you had Bayshore which was always kind of like one of the smaller ones you had Mayfair which is still doing okay you had Brookfield Square which is a lot of retail moving out of that there Brookfield Square becoming more of an entertainment center <clears throat> but Brookfield Square you had Southridge and you had Northridge for people who might be relatively new to the area Northridge shopping center north side of Brown Deer Road, like 76th Street and on out. There was a time, particularly in the late 70s and the 80s and the early 90s, where Northridge Shopping Center was a, a center of, of that that community that was there. You had thriving apartments that were across the street, Northridge Lakes. Across the street from Northridge, you had... Um, all sorts of development. You had restaurants. You had stores. It, it really was a, a destination. And when I was in high school, Northridge was the place that you. They had movie theaters. They had all these restaurants. It was the place that you would go to hang out. And I, I guess where I first learned how fragile 
these institutions. And Northridge was an institution. Like I say, I mean, if you were coming of age in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, Northridge was the place you, you went to if you grew up on the North Shore. If, if you lived in Mequon, Northridge was the place that you went to shop. And, and it was really a, an incredibly vibrant community. Then what happened is it started to go downhill. And there's all sorts of theories as to why it started to go downhill. Some people attribute it to, like, the the, the changing character of the surrounding neighborhood. I, I don't know. There, there was a high-profile situation where a guy killed his wife outside the TGI Fridays and claimed that the crime had committed been committed by a couple young black men. And that, of course, just fostered this, this idea that it's un, it's become racially unsafe, et cetera, et cetera. Re- regardless of the cause, is Northridge went downhill and it went downhill fast. You had a lot of the businesses um, that were at Northridge, they, they, they closed, got to a point where it then became this kind of like vicious cycle. Okay, businesses started closing, so people stopped coming because there wasn't businesses they wanted to go, and as fewer and fewer people start stopped going to Northridge, more and more businesses closed, and at the end there was nothing. Northridge has been essentially vacant for the better part of, I don't know, 15 to 18 years. I mean, and, and it is an eyesore. I believe the power has been turned off to North Ridge. It's dilapidated. It's falling down. You had somebody who lost a worker who lost their life there. It's not being maintained. The roof is in poor shape. It's just an eyesore, et cetera, et cetera. The city last year decided enough was enough, and they issued what they call a raise, R-A-Z-E order, saying we're going to tear this place down. The law allows them to issue a raise order to tear down buildings if the essentially if if the value if the cost of repairing the building gets to a certain point where it exceeds a percentage of what the building's worth, you can essentially declare it blighted and you can tear it down. All right. So the city decided to do that. Now, into right now, the owners of Northridge Mall are it, it might be the U.S. subsidiary of a Chinese company. But if you will remember years ago, this Chinese company bought it. And what they were going to do is they were going to turn it into a trademark that featured goods from, you know, Asia, from China, etc. And that was the idea. And they had all these grandiose plans that this is what we're going to do. We're going to revitalize it. Well, they never acted on any of the plans. And the building continued to go downhill and go downhill and go downhill. And so the city issues this raise order. Well, okay, now the company that owns the building, they're, they're back. And they're saying, no, 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 we, we want to fight this. And there's a court trial that started last week. And they're saying, no, we, we want to fight this because, look, we have these great plans. We have these fantastic plans for this trademark, and, and we, we want to do this. Well, of course, they, they've been saying the same thing essentially for the last decade or more and haven't done anything. I have friends very close friends of mine who understand who are dinosaurs, not dinosaurs, who are giants in, maybe they'd say they're dinosaurs too, but they're giants, giants in, in the area of retailing around Milwaukee, who know more about finding and developing shopping centers and bringing stores in than most people will, you know, will, will they've forgotten more than most people would ever know in their lifetime. And I, I ask them, I say, okay, what, what about these plans for Northridge? This, this company that's been dragging its feet for all these years, they, they say that now, now they're really serious and they can make this go. What do you think of it? And the people I know who know a lot say it, it's complete and total 
balderdash, although that's not the word they use. The city's estimates are that right now that the buildings, etc., are worth about $800,000. In order to make this mall vibrant, you know, to, to restore it, to get the power turned on, to, to get it upgraded, to do the improvements, to fix the roof and all that, you would be looking at tens of millions of dollars. And what the city wants to do is just level this thing once and for all, put it out, put it at Northridge out of its misery, and then move on to whatever the next plan is going to be, whether it's light industrial, etc. Well, the mall owners are fighting this. And there's a trial going on, and the mall owners are saying, hey, given the size of this mall, we've got this great redevelopment opportunity. You know, you, we shouldn't do this. There, there's, all, there's all this stuff that, that could be done. Well, of course, the mall has been allowed to get into the condition it's in for the last, you know, 12, 15 years. And it's had, what you know, benign neglect. And before that, it wasn't doing well. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It seems to me it is way past time to just recognize that what happened to Northridge was unfortunate, but it is the reality. It's way past time to just level it and then move on to whatever the next thing is going to be. Dragging this process on. Another year, another two years, another five years isn't going to change anything because who's going to start a giant retail mall at that location? I mean, if you had the millions and millions of dollars it would take to try to, I don't know, rebuild and reconfigure the Northridge Mall, you're not going to do it in that location anyways. Isn't it way past time to simply put Northridge as a retail shopping destination out of its misery? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My answer is, you bet it is. And this comes from somebody who spent a lot of time in his misbegotten youth hanging out at Northridge. All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to discuss in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Look, it's way past time to tear down the Northridge Mall. It's, I mean, they, they estimate the mall, and this is almost unbelievable to me if you, again, grew up around here and remember how that was thriving. The estimates are right now that the value of the mall, that, that whole thing, less than a million dollars, I think $880,000, which is just kind of staggering. The repair costs just... Just to I, deal with the, the the immediate problems that they have, and to get it up to code, okay. And this isn't talking about you know what you need to do to you know actually redevelop it so that you'd actually have stores in there or anything like that. But you know, but just just to deal with the the issues like. I don't know, the, the missing stuff and the graffiti and the broken door locks and the boarded up or broken entryways and all the other structural problems that are there, they estimate that it would be about, city says it's probably about $6 million. Okay, the, the property's only worth $880,000. Now, who in their right mind is going to you know spend $6 million upgrading and, and doing what you need to do to open the doors on a property that's only worth a million? 
Okay, and, and and let's say those numbers are off a little bit. Let's say the let's say the Northridge is really worth one point five million, and maybe it's only going to cost you five million dollars to get it. Who's going to put that much money in into a, a shopping center at an era where shopping centers are dying? You know, there was this proposal that was floated a while back. Here, we're going to have this big you know Asian trademark. Well, it didn't go anywhere years ago. And after the city issues its raise order, some of the people from the company that own the building they they then trot out what essentially looks like the same set of plans that they had a number of years ago, and then they distribute them to the TV stations, and the TV stations go around and they show it to people, and people say, oh, that looks really cool. Well, yeah, yeah, it, it looks really cool, but, you know, that th- those are drawings. You know, the drawings might look really cool. It's it's where do you have the, the sources that are going to put up all this money? And, again, given the problems that that area has, if you, in fact, had millions and millions of dollars. Number one, would you put it into that particular area? No. Number two, would you put it into trying to restore a decrepit shopping mall in that area when nobody is investing in large shopping malls any day anymore? Now, there, there are shopping malls that are successful. Most of them tend to be the smaller strip malls. And I, again, I, I understand that, that Bayshore... Uh, um, Bayshore is struggling. Mayfair is doing okay. Brookfield Square is changing. You know, Southridge is changing a little bit. But if you look at the investment in new money, what you're seeing is it's going into like the strip malls, the places where there's six or seven, you know, stores that are in there. And if one store goes out from the perspective of the owners, it's easy to put another store in. I mean, what, you know, the places where you've got, I don't know, the, the Jimmy John's and the, ta- the the Taco Bell, or maybe it's got the Starbucks, and then you've got the haircut place, and, you know, maybe you've got, you know, a, a small workout facility or something like that, or you've got a bank, you know, and it's got the different spaces that, like I say, are easily interchangeable. So if one place goes out of business, you can move some other place in. Those are the types of, of shopping centers that are, are doing well. It tends to be less retail-driven. It tends to be more service-driven. Maybe it's the nail on. Maybe it's, again, it's the place where you go to get the, the haircuts, the supercuts, or whatever that's going to be. That's where people are investing. I, I don't, I confess, understand quite why this, this company is fighting as hard as they are to try to avoid the raise order. I, I don't know what the, the master plan is, but my sense is that if they, if they don't tear Northridge down right away, five years from now, the building is going to be in the same position it is now, except more and more thieves will have broken in and stolen even more and more stuff out of that. There'll be more crime out there. And again, one person's already been killed. Who knows what else is going to happen out there? And yet, you know, you have some people who are saying, well, don't tear this down. You know, it's too big a property. It was a great property in its day. Unfortunately, it, its day has passed. Jeff, while I agree it should be torn down, I would like to see the city and every other community use zoning ordinances, stipulations, and sales agreements to prevent things like this from happening. In other words, the land purchase must be developed for intended purposes within a number of months. Abandoned property may be torn down at the owner's expense after X months. Yeah, I I I agree with I mean I agree with that. You if you're gonna try to redevelop that area you know, in the northwest part of, of the city, it, it starts 
you know, with doing something with that space. Now, again, I don't know what that's going to be, but, you know, maybe it is the, again, it's the light industrial or something like that. But if anybody thinks that you're going to really be able to return the Northridge shopping mall to its glory days of the 1980s, you're smoking something and it's not menthol vaping. That's just it. Back with more in just a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Drew, who is producing the show today and always. Do you know who Conor McGregor is? Yeah, the UFC fighter. Conor McGregor is the UFC fighter. Ultimate Fighting Championship, which is, it's like boxing and martial arts all combined. And they, they go into this octagon this like a this like steel cage type of, of thing he's um he was like a featherweight and lightweight champion in 2015 he had a fight on saturday night he, he'd been you know out of the picture for like a year a year and a half and and he had a fight that was in las vegas the other night the ultimate fighting championship every one of their their bouts they just they just do them in numbers you know so this was like ufc 246 and it got a ton of hype because nowadays, the, apparently UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship, they have this deal with ESPN. So their, their big pay-per-view bouts are you stream them on ESPN+. And so since they've got this deal with ESPN, ESPN kind of hypes it a lot on their shows. So last Saturday night, um, McGregor was fighting a guy named Cowboy Cerrone. And I, did, you, did you know anything about this group? I mean, not really. Yeah, I don't, right. I don't, I don't okay. follow the UFC okay, too right. much. Well, but. I, I don't either. But I mean, I saw this because it was getting incredibly hyped and stuff. The cost, it was Saturday night. And that there, there were a couple, I mean, there was, there was an undercard, you know, other, other fighters. But to, to stream, to watch UFC 246, the cost was $64.99. All right? $65. Big fight, right? So the big fight rolls around. Do you know how long the fight lasted? Yeah, yeah, I do. 40 seconds. 40 seconds. And what happens is uh, McGregor comes out, and they, they kind of spar for a minute, and McGregor grabs him, and he hits the guy with his shoulder in, in the nose a couple times and breaks his nose. Then he hauls off, and he kicks him in the head, and the guy goes down like a ton of bricks, and that's it. 40 seconds from beginning to end, I found myself wondering, and again, I'm, I'm not a fan of mixed martial arts either, but I found myself wondering, if I had dropped 65, now look, I, I pee money away on all sorts of stuff, just ask Fran, you know, she'll say, I can't believe Jeff just bought that, but if I had spent sixty four ninety nine to watch a fight that lasted 40 seconds, 40 seconds, I'd be sitting there saying, number one, I want my money back. And, and number two, I'm never doing this uh, again. 65 bucks to do this. I remember, and I, I'll never, f- our, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I understand there's, there's, there's an undercard too, so you got other fights, so it wasn't, but I mean, the reason people would spend 65 bucks to watch this is because you wanted to see this fight that ended up lasting 40 seconds. So, would, would, I guess what I'm saying is, would, would you, 
Would you spend this kind of money to, did you spend this kind of money to watch this? You know, would, would you spend this kind of money to watch this stuff moving forward? I mean, I always remember, and again, but before there was UFC, you know, there, there, there's always been boxing. They always did the pay-per-views. I remember one time I'm in Hawaii and this was when Mike Tyson, remember what a great fighter Mike Tyson was before his career kind of like spiraled off? He was undefeated. And we were in Hawaii. This was, I remember, it was in June of 88. And um, he was, he'd won like 34 matches. And he, he had he had a boxing match against Michael Spinks. And they were charging stupid money. I mean, one of the hotels had this pay-per-view thing to go watch this. And it was stupid money. And I, I don't remember. This is 1988, so I don't remember how much. But I remember thinking, there's no way I'd spend that much money. So anyhow, all these people get all excited. They go, they do the pay-per-view. They shell out, you know, 40 or $50 or whatever it was. And, and Tyson wins in one minute and 30 seconds knocks michael spinks out at one minute and 30 seconds of the first round and i remember all these people streaming out of the the big hall where they had it at the hotel they were showing saying they said well, what happened and they're going one minute and 30 seconds really all right our number 855-616-1620 all right was this a ripoff, or was th- this this worth it? And how big a fan do you have to be? I mean, I, I, I mean, I understand if you're going to go to a Packers game. Well, I mean, my tickets, my tickets to Lambeau Field last week, my playoff tickets were 150 bucks. All right, and some people might say that's stupid money when you can stay home and watch it for free. But at least for 150 bucks, I, I got I got a three plus hour game, 65 dollars for 40 seconds. All right, Adam in Waukesha. Adam, you're first. Good afternoon. It was the best $65 I spent. Seeing a man just end a fight devastating with a statement is amazing. So you didn't feel like and you didn't feel like, "Oh, I got ripped off. I paid $65 for this thing." No, and I mean, you talked about the 3 hours at Lambo. You do get 2 hours of entertainment cuz there are undercards. Right. You can watch the prelims too, which are free. Right. However, um as a fan, I want to see Connor end that fight right away because he's not. We don't need to see him go two and three rounds. He needs to end that fight. Would you have? Would you have purchased it? Well, I assume if he wasn't headlining, if it, if it was just the undercard fighters, that that would have inspired you to spend sixty five bucks to do it. You you did it because you wanted to see him. No, I, yeah, I only did it because I see him. I buy every Connor fight. I don't buy every UFC fight, but I buy every Connor fight for sure. What I'm kind of interested. What's what is the appeal of UFC for you? Um, well, number one, um, if you get a chance to meet some of the fighters, they're they're just guys. They're cool guys, uh, respectable people. So you have that fan base right there, um, and just the just just the entertainment of seeing a controlled fight per se. Um, but the guy the guy now has been able to end people in three different divisions or three different right. weight classes, and that right there is amazing. Yeah, what lightweight, featherweight, and this is now welterweight, right? Yep, correct, correct. Okay, well, thanks. I pray, I, again, I, I look. I never tell people how to spend money, but I, I'm sitting there thinking, huh? I mean, I I know. I, I just thinking back to that Mike Tyson fight, and I just know how people felt walking in because I was talking to him. Is there is there walking out of this thing saying they dropped forty or fifty bucks in 1988 money, and the, and the fight ended in in a minute and a half? And yeah, it was an exciting minute and a half. But it was a minute and a half, and, and then the thing was over. And if, again, Saturday night, 
if if you paid your money, it was sixty five bucks for something that ended in forty seconds. Now, our first caller, Adam, says it was it 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 was worth it. It was a it was a great it was a great forty seconds, and it was just incredible. And I I guess I, I appreciate if you got that kind of a loyal fan base, but. I don't know, 65 bucks, and I appreciate that there's other fights that go into it. 65 bucks to watch one guy knock somebody else out in, in 40 seconds. I just don't get it. That was the one thing. Now, over the years, haven't, I haven't done this in decades, but over the years, back in the day when, when the WWF, now the WWE, the wrestling, was, was, was really big. I mean, I remember like WrestleMania three and stuff like that. I did, on a couple occasions, order WrestleMania. All right? At least, at least with wrestling, you know it's going to be a three-hour show. Again, you know you're going to get all the, this this entertainment. You're smiling at me, crew. This upcoming Sunday is the Royal Rumble. The, okay, well there there you go. Are you are you buying the Royal Rumble? Uh, no, not me, not me personally, but me and a bunch of friends from Lakefront are actually going to get together and and watch it. So we we've ordered the pay per view for it. Yeah. All right. So there you do. You know how much it is? I think it's. Uh, I don't know. It's not as expensive as UFC. I believe it's forty-five. It might be fifty-five. I don't think it goes up to sixty-five. Well, if you get, I guess you know, if it's okay. So let's say it's forty-five, and you get like five, six, seven guys together, and you kind of split it, you know. So then you're, you know, you're talking about five, six bucks a piece or whatever, right? Yeah. So, but it, but at least with at least with the Royal Rumble, at least with wrestling, now I understand wrestling is scripted. Didn't say fake. It it is scripted. In other words, the results are predetermined. But you know. You, you know it's going to be a three-hour show. So it's very entertaining, yeah. right? You know it. You know it's going to be a show, you, and you know it's not going to end in in forty seconds. Something about the McGregor fight too is usually the final, you know, the headlining fight takes place at the very end of the event, which has the undercard and everything. But usually the headline starts at like eleven, eleven thirty at night. Like you got to stay up yeah. to get the headlining fight, and then you're you're up, and finally you're like you're up at like midnight. Fights happening, and then it's done. It's done within within one minute. Yeah, well, well, right, and this, and of course, it was it's in Vegas. A lot, they're not all in Vegas, but a lot of them are in Vegas, and this was in Vegas, so you got that two hour time difference and stuff. But um, forty seconds, forty seconds, sixty five dollars, huh? Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I love these texts, Jeff. Um, my husband and I saw the Spinks Tyson fight that you're talking about in 88. Now, I didn't see it. I just knew we, we were in Hawaii, and at the hotel we were staying at in Maui, they had they, they had it available on pay-per-view, you know, in, in an auditorium. You could go and pay stupid money to go watch it, and I thought, no, I, I'm not going to do that. But I, I just remember everybody pouring out afterwards, and the fight was over in a minute and a half. Anyhow, Jeff, uh, my husband and I saw the fight you're talking about in 1988. We invited a whole bunch of friends over. We split the cost of the pay-per-view. It was like a minute and something. We were so, so disappointed. Um, yeah, there is there is that. Um, Jeff, I was in Las Vegas when Mike Tyson was boxing. I don't remember who the opponent was. We almost bought tickets. $800 each. The fight lasted 90 seconds. So glad I didn't buy tickets at the last minute. Yeah, that, see, that, that is the thing, you know, and I, I've been, I, I went to one prize fight in Las Vegas, just one, but I mean, I, I've been there when they've had fights, and there's always like these tickets that are around, and a lot of times, at least for decent tickets, they're, they're, if, for the big fights, there's kind of stupid money, and you're like, eh, I, I don't know. But, you know, and I understand there's undercards and stuff, and it's it's fun to be at the live event. But I'm trying to think, if I shelled out hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and it was over in 30 seconds or what. 
ever. Jeff, as they say, there's a sucker born every minute. If two guys get into a brawl and take it outside in the bar over a woman, they're going to jail because so much money is paid. They put it in an arena, and it's called ultimate fighting. Uh, I, I, again, I'm, I'm not going to be down on the, the process. I mean, there's people that like this an awful lot, but I'm just thinking, man, you know, and it, to the point of, you know, one of our texters who was saying that they were in Vegas and they passed up on the chance to spend, you know, $800 for a ringside seat to a Tyson fight. Can you imagine if, if you were in Vegas and, I mean, I don't know what ringside seats for this UFC fight went for, but, you know, my guess is it would be it would be a lot. Um, I mean, I don't know. How do you feel? I mean, on the one hand, yeah, you, you get the thing and, and, you know, even if you're rooting for Conor McGregor or whatever, you go, I, I want this to be great, but don't you want to see it last for a little bit? It's kind of like you hope you're not in the bathroom when they start the fight or something, or you hope you're not like looking down and tying your shoes or, or trying to find your car keys or something like that because you look up and you go, what happened? What, what happened? The, the whole thing, you know, it's over. But in any event, it, it, it's a moneymaker. It's become incredibly popular. UFC, I think, has clearly surpassed boxing as far as interest. Um, you know, I mean, this is – I don't know that there's too many boxers that people could name nowadays. I mean, I mean, UFC, I think uh, – and, and part of it is, I think, also the ESPN effect now that there, you know, there is that, that deal. But I'm, I'm telling you, if you were uh, – if you were there watching the show last night or last Saturday night, I hope you didn't blink because it was over in a hurry. No doubt about that. All right. Another day, another car chase. I swear, I don't know what is in the water around here that makes people decide that they are going to run from the police and that they think they can get away with it. If you weren't watching the news yesterday afternoon the freeway was closed after a a major car crash right around silver spring on i-43 what happened was it was a driver fleeing the police and and it seems like on an almost daily basis we have these conversations this one this one is 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 particularly weird because what happens is somebody in grafton the grafton police Call Bayside and Bayside. They ask Bayside, "Can you help us to arrest a shoplifting suspect who had just crossed County Line Road and gotten onto the freeway?" So this is heading from Ozaki County into Milwaukee County. Bayside officer sees the car. Now they want this per- these people in the car for shoplifting. Sees the car, tries to pull it over. Instead of simply pulling over, the driver floors it, going southbound on I forty three, speeds of excess of a hundred miles an hour. So now you have, uh, you know, shoplifting that's now turned into felony fleeing an officer. So they radio ahead. The Glendale police come out. They put the, the stop sticks, the things that they use to puncture the tires. They put them on the freeway. But before the fleeing car reaches the stop sticks, it crashes into another car. Um, 37-year-old man gets out of the car, puts his hands up. The driver, a 36-year-old woman, continues at a slower pace. So she smashed into a car, caused the car to flip over. Thankfully, the occupants of that car were not seriously injured, but she's still trying to, to drive off. Glendale police officer does this, you know, pursuit intervention technique where you kind of smack the moving car, knocking it sideways. And ultimately, they, you know, they end up arresting, again, a 36 and a 37-year-old person who decide they're going to take off rather than just, you know, being 
pulled over by this. And now the driver, instead of facing a shoplifting charge, is looking at charges of felony fleeing and second degree recklessly endangering safety. Um, and, of course, the freeway is closed for hours. You can make an argument, I, I guess, about whether, you know, do, do you chase shoplifting suspects? But the point here is, it's not so much, in my opinion, the police behavior. It's the idea that people just decide nowadays that you're just going to run with impunity from the cops. All right, you know, you, you got nailed with shoplifting. Instead of just pulling over and saying, okay, you, you got me, fine, it's a misdemeanor or whatever, sorry. You decide that you're going to try to outrun the police. You put your lives in danger. You put the lives of the cops in danger. You put the lives of other people who are on the freeway in danger as well. And now you're looking at 20 or 30 years in prison. And in my opinion, you should get, if not 20 or 30 years, you should get a lot of that time. We have to make the penalty for running so great that people simply decide it's not worth it. And obviously, we're not doing that yet because people still continue to run. Another day, another high-speed police car chase. When we come back, we're going to find out what Eric and Melissa have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.